following is an R.E.D. Podcast Network production, bringing on-demand geek audio straight to your eardrums one podcast at a time. To listen to more great geek audio podcasts, check out the R.E.D. Podcast Network at redpodcastnetwork.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. We now live in a world where our weather is changing. It's now starting to affect businesses where access to people's businesses is being cut off physically, or people's electrical infrastructure is being damaged by weather. And now businesses are having to, for the first time in probably 20 years, having to think very seriously about disaster recovery and business continuity for their services. With the cloud in full-on growth mode still, a lot of disaster recovery solutions and business continuity solutions are now being driven, and they're being delivered via the cloud. And it is at this time these two things are starting to intersect and join, And people find themselves asking, is the cloud the answer to my business continuity problems or is it the solution to my disaster recovery problems that I'm looking for for my business? This is episode 4 of the Slash Cloud Podcast. My name is Ian. Welcome to the Slash Cloud Podcast, brought to you in association with clouditissues.com. And the goal of this show is really simple. It's about me helping you flatten the learning curve and to be your anchor so the cloud doesn't carry away the focus from your business on what you want to achieve in your business when you use the cloud. On this podcast, I'm bringing over my six and a half years of experience in cloud services field to help you see through sales speak, clear away the mists of the marketing, and in an agenda-free manner to break down the reality of what cloud can do and mean to your business in an easy-to-understand way. This week, I wanted to focus uh, exclusively on the idea of business continuity solutions and disaster recovery solutions that are being delivered in an as-a-service manner via the cloud uh, in a multitude of different ways. I don't really want to get into the minutia of um, things like ter- types of solutions that are being used because, you know what, they can they vary and it, it becomes more or less an idea of what colours you actually want to paint the picture with and how you want to make that picture look for your particular business. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all solution that actually goes for this. And I would even say just in normal disaster recovery terms for businesses, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all approach to this. What I really wanted to get into the nub of was the idea of of how you approach that uh, mentality of getting a disaster recovery or a business continuity solution in for your business and how you identify which it is that you need and what the constraints are and also how the cloud can actually be used to deliver those services into your business in a meaningful way. Now the first things first I want to actually sort of get out of the way with all this is I want to sort of set the definition between disaster recovery and business continuity because very often the sales guy who or salesperson who's in there pitching it to you will very often not make a distinguishment between the two. And as far as you're concerned, you're none the wiser. Because guess what? You're not a disaster cover your business continuity or risk management expert. You're someone just trying to run their business and just trying to get by in the world, pay your bills, pay your staff, make a little money and grow your business in any way that you can in the current state of economic affairs that we're living in no matter where you are in the world. So first things first, what is business continuity? Business continuity is at the extreme end of disaster recovery and this is about having almost zero interruption to your business. This means that no matter what happens, the wheels and the engine of your business keeps on turning, keeps going, and you get to continue with business as normal, business as usual, 
no adverse interruptions, no minor interruptions. And to achieve this is often quite expensive, quite complicated, and it does tend to uh, have an awful lot of moving parts to it that if they're not done correctly can cause problems. Traditional disaster recovery is about two things. Number one, uh, finding a point in time that when something happens that causes your business to have to trigger its DR plan, disaster recovery plan, uh, that you are able to get on the path to being made whole or get on the path to being operational and to being aspirationally made whole so that you can get to a point in your business where you can at least get it back up and running and get it somewhat operational and sort of bring things on on stream to make you whole. It's not about being uh, up and running in a full capacity immediately. And that tends to be the difference which is often lost in translation when it comes time to the salesperson knocking on your door trying to sell you the latest DRAS solution or disaster recovery as a service or uh, BC uh, as a solution, business continuity as a solution. And that's something which is pretty important to understand as well um, is... And I, it sort of came up in a discussion I was having with uh, with someone else sort of in the last week or so, uh, which was the idea of how you actually go about trying to understand what disaster recovery actually is. So you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take sort of an illustrative example. Uh, say you've got ABC Limited, or uh, for my listeners in the US, ABC LLC. Uh, this company has... Uh, a building which has somehow just become inaccessible due to the basement being flooded, which has shorted out all the power, it's shorted out and killed off all the heating, and basically the building is not fit for uh, inhabitation by the staff, the phone systems are dead, the in-house IT systems are dead, um, but there is a solution that they have with... Uh, another company who's providing them with Dior, in other words, been placed to be able to go to uh, seat their staff, and this is sort of the very, very traditional picture of Dior, you know, the idea of backsides on seats uh, in some building, which is almost like a, a desolate or uninhabited call center type environment, where people can then come in there, they can roll up images of their servers and, and get the staff that they need to be operational underway so they can service their customer base and service their business. And so this uh, disaster recovery plan gets invoked. Now, the one thing that you would automatically assume is, I'm going to have access to absolutely everything to run my business. Not so. If you're talking about disaster recovery as opposed to business continuity, what actually happens here is you start looking at things like the priorities of systems and information and uh, and access that you actually need to get your business somewhat operational to where it is actually usable to... Um, continue somewhat day-to-day -day business and trying to minimize downtime and minimize uh, risk to the business. Now this is what I actually like to deem the operational to aspirational scale. The start of a disaster recovery process is about getting up and running what you need as a bare minimum to get you somewhat operational. So in often cases that could be getting the phone systems up, getting a CRM up, so you have access to pers to not only customer information, but other information to allow you to assist you to carry out the day-to-day -day things. Uh, it might also be like your monitoring tools to see the eyes on the rest of your systems uh, that your customer uses. They could be hosted systems, and to be able to get uh, access to that, and maybe even access to mail as part of that. But it's about an order of priority, um, which is not always temper uh, dictated by... Uh, what the importance is, but it could be a case of 
for your your Dior company, like which they need to roll up first because of their size. Like maybe the the CRM is a very very large system to have to roll back up, and maybe that has to go put go in first because of how long it takes. Then being able to get your phone systems rolling in, then being able to get your email clients rolling in, then being able to get your monitoring system rolling in because that only takes a couple of minutes to roll up and roll out for people to get logged in and have a look at. And that then takes you along the road to as you're being made whole and how you're trying to do a full restoration of your business in its traditional uh, either location or otherwise, or its traditional method of delivering internal business services to your aspirational, which is, um, for example, I'd love my remote fax to be up and running. Obviously, that's not a major consideration for an awful lot of businesses, but maybe it's just something at the very end. Um that you're actually worried about or you're concerned about bringing up back and running. And that's the important thing with this, is the understanding of the value of being able to work closely with your provider. And actually, more importantly, understand what kind of a service you're getting and also what it's actually delivering to your business. Is it delivering just basic disaster recovery? In other words, put you on the path to being made whole? Or... Is it giving you business continuity? And to actually get into the nitty gritty of what they actually mean. And there are some people who would say that, you know, I don't need disaster recovery as a business. Well, if you don't need disaster recovery as a business, you don't need SLAs from your cloud service provider or any of your other service providers. Because what you're actually saying there is that it doesn't matter if my biz, if any of my critical services or things that are important to me being able to run my business go out. I can live without them. My business will survive without them. And you know what's funny is statistics are actually against uh, you at that point. Uh, I think it's sort of the anecdotal evidence that goes out there is that if you can't get your business back up and operational at least in some manner within 48 to 72 hours, you actually dramatically increase the likelihood that you will not be able to restart your business in the event of a disaster recovery. And the longer it goes on, you increase the... uh, the likelihood that you will not be able to restore your business, that you will not be able to go back into full operations or any kind of operations, and you will actually cease trading. And this is why it is really, really important. If you have things that you need to protect in your business, if you have business which is heavily dependent on um, its IP or its or its continuity of services or that the SLAs that it has given to your clients, first and foremost, for you or any business to be able to deliver guaranteed service levels to its clients you also need to be able to secure those service levels for yourself and the systems and the means by which you are able to then then sort of pass on those uh, service levels to your end client and it's something that a lot of a lot of uh, businesses are not still understanding at this stage at 2014 uh, that people are, are not able to see that they're giving guarantees to people off the back of their business but they're unable to secure those guarantees themselves internally or with the help of other specialized third-party providers whose mission is to deliver disaster recovery or business continuity solutions. And in the cloud, this gets often... And here's the funny thing as well. Uh, the way sort of uh, some platforms are, are sort of sold or they're marketed, uh, <laughs> either intentionally or unintentionally for that matter, let's take the infrastructure as a service market as, as a primary one is, um, there's this sort of, I don't know whether it's, 
it's directly implied or it's something which has sort of creeped into the discussion about infrastructure as a service or into the consciousness of those seeking to take infrastructure as a service solutions inside their businesses that once you go cloud for infrastructure as a service, you don't need to worry about disaster recovery. You don't need to worry about business continuity and any sort of traditional uh, mitigations that you would have taken in the past, whether that would have been in the past with physical service, for example, when it comes to infrastructure as a service. In the past, maybe you'd have had a hot or cold standby server to complement another physical server, or you would have had a bank of uh, cold standby servers that you would have been able to bring into place with a large stash of uh, spares as well for critical parts, uh, because the four-hour same-day business guarantee or service that you're taking with like Dell, IBM or HP or Cisco or any of these sort of hardware providers isn't enough to be able to guarantee you to secure your business. There are some people who think that when they go into the cloud that oh, I can I don't need to worry about uh having continuity. I've got a web and a database server for example. I can still get by with one database server. I don't need to do anything to secure that because my infrastructure as a service provider is going to cover that off. That is not always the case as part of your default service. You're still at the mercy of it as a single operating system on a single virtual machine image. And people don't think about things like, well, maybe I need, if I need, I can't afford my database to be out or I don't have a database expert on hand so I can't afford to be doing uh, reconciliations on the fly to how to fix things as they're going in if the, if database transactions start getting screwed up uh, or if I've got a an active passive type setup where I'm just sort of I'm, I'm outputting the database every couple of hours to files and I need to re-import it later and then in the discrepancies try and manually uh, reconcile those uh, that the my, my cloud infrastructure as a service automatically takes care of that and it's it's a sort of a folly uh, belief that if you go into something like infrastructure as a service that it takes away any of those worries at an application or an operating system layer level uh, it really doesn't and it's something that again I don't think salespeople do a particularly good job at actually highlighting to people uh, and I think it is something which comes back later on to high, to either bite the customer or to give them a bad experience of what cloud can actually do or it sort of it further murkies makes the water very murky to understand about where you want to go and what you want to do and what you want to achieve and I think that's a it's a sad state of affairs and it doesn't necessarily help uh, the progression of the integration of cloud services into people's business because the one thing that is very very clear especially in the Irish market is that cloud service adoption is still quite low despite what people believe despite the fact that they're there is huge numbers of people migrating their email into the likes of Office 365 or into uh, Google Mail or into other cloud mail services or to use uh, sort of online application services, whether it's software as a service that's being delivered. Like We're still not at the levels that we actually really should be. If you look at what's going on in terms of uh, the US, which traditionally tends to be a more forward-thinking market and a forward-adopting market, especially given the tech companies, as a general rule, tend to emanate from there and then come over into the Irish market and the other European markets and the other global markets and then try and saturate those markets through either the acquisition of multiple local providers or... Uh, just through landing a presence and then just going out of their way to actually scoop up as much business as possible uh, and to try and hoover it up as quickly as possible at the same time. And therein sort of is, 
is the is the real issue is that while there's all this sort of marketing speak that's flying around, there's all these as a service monikers that are just being thrown around willy nilly. Um, and it kind of does leave people who are looking at it going, look, all I want to do is make sure that if my building f- catches fire, that my guys, have, number one, can either work from home or they can go to some sort of an office somewhere and set up. I can roll up our, our data up there to at least get them underway to start taking calls from our customers so at least our customers aren't going to these guys just fall off the face of the planet. And it, 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 all you need to do is to simplify these things for people. I mean, disaster recovery, um, I know that I alluded to it that like it can get quite complicated, but that's only in the business continuity sense of things. And that really comes down to how you actually design the service delivery of that solution to someone. And like the devil for that is, is always in the detail. And it, it, the, the smallest thing can be uh, the thing that actually trips you up. But disaster recovery as a concept is actually very, very simple. Uh, and do you know what's funny is, in rug- they say that rugby is a game which is very simple, which is complicated by idiots. I would almost say the exact same thing for disaster recovery as a concept. Disaster recovery as a concept is a very, very simple and easy to understand con- uh, concept, but it's complicated by idiots. And it's complicated by idiots who are actually more focused on the revenue that they're looking to take off the back of it rather than the service driving that revenue for them uh, and it almost becomes like again to use another rugby analogy becomes almost like white line fever that desperate attempt to try and get a try over the line um, and I think it's a very very apt thing as well is where there's, there's a very big focus on the revenue and the sale as opposed to the fact that revenue and a sale should be a natural outcome of the service that you're actually trying to deliver to the end client and that what you necessarily deliver up front you might be able to then grow or have a scope to grow a relationship to enhance that and grow it and deliver more revenue over a period of time and to make it something which sort of deepens the roots between uh, yourself and the client as well. So again, it becomes less likely that the client will leave you. There's higher levels of dependency. Um, then there's more consolidations that could happen off the back of and again, more revenue growth. But again, there are some people who are very, very short-sighted and very, very narrow-focused and all they can see is just that white line of what's going in to their revenue um, as opposed to understanding sort of the deep symbiotic relationship that exists between the pair of them. And when you're talking about disaster recovery, again, I think bums on seats is still a very, very popular option for people. And I don't think enough people actually realize that is that it is still a very, very compelling story and compelling argument to give to people that people can actually have a workspace to go to or that you can do things like where people can remote into Citrix systems. Um, but I do think Microsoft still holds some of the keys in relation to that, like to being able to diversify it in a way that actually makes sense. Um, and I think, again, this is something I don't think Microsoft themselves are at the stage where they've actually fully figured that out. Uh, and I think it's what, it's one of the final vestiges of the cloud or the idea of desktops in the cloud in a meaningful way, especially in multi-tenancy uh, solutions, whether they're privately managed multi-tenancy solutions or they are some form of a public uh, 
cloud desktop type service um, being out there and being fully fledged because it's something I think they still need to learn and figure out how to capitalize on themselves so um, they've learned the lessons from the past where they've let other people have the keys to the kingdom run away and build their businesses and build revenue and an awful lot of strong services off the back of it and Microsoft then sort of coming very very late to the party with an offering to something which was theirs in the first place I mean a great example of that is Office 365 how late to the game that was compared to Google Docs for example and even when Microsoft did come to the game its first iteration of Office 365 frankly was pants in comparison to Google Docs I don't think it was as intuitive or easy for, for people to use but that's sort of it's developed and it's come a long way since do I think it's anywhere near on par with what Google Docs offers hell no I still think Google Docs is probably the most compelling argument for um, doing desktop uh DTP or to using sort of desktop office uh, type scenario where your spreadsheets, presentations, uh, document creation, and even f- uh, file sharing, I'd still say that uh, at Google are head and shoulders above Microsoft, who this week, by the way, rebranded their SkyDrive uh, storage products to OneDrive after getting into a um, a patent and a trademark battle with Sky last year over the use of the name Sky and then making a payment and now they've actually just rebranded to to uh, OneDrive. Again, shows Microsoft not exactly very clear about what their direction is for their products and uh, it becoming one of those things that sort of evolves on the fly as needs must. Uh, but again, so just to come back into the entire thing about disaster recovery is like again, let's just focus on what the most important things are out of this conversation. Number one, disaster recovery and business continuity are not the same thing, and one does not equal the other. They are business continuity is about no interruptions, no downtime, business as usual, no matter what happens. Disaster recovery is the recognition that an event which has caused risk to your business being able to remain operational or ceasing to be operational has actually occurred and how you get on the path to restoring your business to a level of operation, uh, a point in operational ability that allows you to start uh, continuing to normalize your business services and then getting on the path to being made whole while then also going back later on to uh, then go and rest rectify the issue that actually happened in the first instance. I think it's also important to point out that just because you go into something like infrastructure as a service does not mean you need to negate things like best practice like um, do going N plus 1 on your servers, for example, or having some sort of a system in place that allows you that you have some form of load balancing going on, whether that's at a database, at an application layer, or something like a web servers being uh, in a load balance pool, application servers being in a load balance pool, or doing things like, ses- like session management or session maintenance in the event that a web server or an application server goes down. Again, being able to keep things uh, on the road and going but again that comes down to disaster recovery or business continuity if you have any questions about business continuity disaster recovery in the cloud by all means send them in i'm more than happy to take them on you can send it to ian.bergen at cloudedissues.com remember you can check out all the episodes of the podcast because they're now hosted at clouded issues which is at www.cloudedissues.com you can also tweet me on twitter at clouded issues and don't forget daily we have a 
sort of a news sheet that goes out that gathers the best news around the internet from all the social media channels that are out there, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, um, Pinterest, or Reddit, and that actually sort of compiles them into a daily uh, one sheet that goes through the best news about cloud, whether it's infrastructure as a service, software as a service, or a platform as a service, disaster recovery as a service, or any of these as a service type models, and you can subscribe to that again. You can follow that on the Twitter channel at cloudedissues.com. Until next time, thanks for stopping by.